When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Lafondra looking to get side of Vaughn. Lafondra away from David. 3-1 running. Three points running. Hello. Oh, that siren tells you there is significant news from the SEL. Yes, Paul Lintz has been sacked as Reading FC manager. And here on the Empire Rolls podcast, supported by Blue Collar Street Food, we will now be talking about that decision. So, Alex, what are your thoughts on this one straight away? The white smoke has uh, arisen from the SCL stadium, hasn't it? Noel Hunt is our new leader and chief in charge. And I'm delighted, I have to say, um, because things weren't ever going to get much, you know, less fun supporting Reading. And ultimately, isn't that why we all go to football to enjoy ourselves and have fun? It's lifted my mood remarkably. I've got to say, um, after the game yesterday, I was thinking... I just can't face this anymore. It's just so bad with Reading. We were just absolutely terrible. But Matt, you've also joined us. What are your thoughts on the news? Relief, to be honest. Um, I was so, I've never felt so done with a manager as I have with Paul Lintz. The constant post-match press conferences, gaslighting players, saying that people aren't good enough, the tactics on the field. To, I've never seen football as bad as it has been under Paul Lintz, it's just relief because um, I generally, I generally resign myself to like 0% chance of staying up with Paul Lintz. And now he's gone. At least we've got, got a chance, um, you know, to stay up. How big that chance is, you know, um, we'll probably differ an opinion on that, but it's a chance and that's better than nothing. Yeah, I totally agree. When that last second equaliser, no, sorry, winner for pressing God, I wish it was just been an equaliser. I felt that that was it for us. I felt unless we made a change, Alex, that we were definitely going to go down. But let's have a quick look at the record of Paul Ince at Reading FC. 58 games, 18 wins, 11 draws and 29 losses. I mean, the last few months have been terrible, Alex, but we have to be fair. It hasn't all been bad for Paul Ince at Reading. He did keep us up last season. 
and that deserves some credit. The start of the season, whilst we weren't necessarily playing well, we were getting results. The home record this season has been pretty good, generally. Um, so, yeah, he deserves some credit for doing a reasonable job with what was available to him, I think, for the first, what, maybe six to nine months of him being in charge, I think. Um but I would say probably since the World Cup, which is what almost six months ago now, everything has gone very, very downhill. And I think the quote that you had, um, Paul, which you were discussing beforehand about it just feeling like the balloon has popped pretty much sums it up, for instance, um, because the first 10 months or nine months or so, whilst it wasn't entertaining and whilst it wasn't like beautiful, free-flowing football, it was effective and it was working. But since then, yeah, it's just disappeared completely, hasn't it? Yeah, there's no energy left there now. Um, <clears throat> you could obviously listen to this and say, well, he's had the six-point deduction and that's clearly not his fault. But the problem is we've just been absolutely dire without that six-point deduction. Um, I heard on the second-tier podcast that in the last eight games, you've got an XG of 0.46. This is a pattern that's we're getting worse not better Matt aren't we I mean I know the, the pressure's there for the players but just watching us is just horrendous and just after matches those post-match interviews really killed it for me they were yeah. just completely disrespectful summed up perfectly you know um it's it's not just you, you know everything the situation that we're in now isn't all down to ints yes we get that we know that we appreciate that but like like say that the football has just become unwatchable you know which has breeded a toxic one of the most toxic atmospheres that we've had in the fan base for some time and you know i know some people say this and that about how angry people get and you know how happy clappy some people are but i mean it's been it's been pretty bad like 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 of late un, under ints and that's been down to the football you know we've needed to win games and ints has been incapable seemingly of setting up a team to win games we had three massive games against Hull Bristol City and Birmingham which by all accounts were our chance to pick up points in this recent run of games and we played for draws you know that there was no intent to win any of those games you know and that is just unforgivable because yes the whole the whole game was prior to the points deduction but Bristol and Birmingham, I think the points deduction was 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 already applied for for those ones. So, or, or definitely for the Birmingham game, anyway. You know, so it, it's it's just baffling that even though that's come in, and even when you look at it, even even before the points deduction officially came in, Ince had been saying for over a month that oh, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. I mean, he should have been able to do the maths and see where we would have been with that six point deduction. You know, try and be on the front foot, Paul. And try and, you know, set your team up then to maybe give yourself a buffer for when that comes in. Not wait for it to then come in and then think, oh, well, now, we, now we've had it. Now we've got to play. It, it was just it, it was just so unresponsive. Just lack of intelligence, really, for, like across the entire time of his, his reign as um, manager at Reading FC. Well, if you just look at the tactics that we're playing with Andy Carroll... Um... We're not having the formation that suits him. It's really not helping him. We've had Lucas Jow, who hasn't played. But, yeah, let's look at why it's gone wrong, Alex. What are your thoughts on this? 
Uh, I mean, yeah, I think you sum it up there with with the fact that we've basically lined up with Andy Carroll up front this season. And we did say it on, on the last podcast that we just recorded about the fact that Andy Carroll is, he's kind of become a little bit of a face for um, the failure of this current run, which isn't necessarily fair because ultimately it's not his fault that we're losing games and we're not winning games. That it's That's not ultimately just down to him. But because we've often set the team up to accommodate certain players, Jeff Hendrick, Andy Carroll, um, Baba Rahman at some points, we've we've tried to accommodate these players into a team, um, despite the fact that they might not be playing well, we don't have the best players to get enough out of them, so on and so forth. Um, and I think that that's led to us trying to play to you know, hold on to points and hold on to draws when the reality is that how many times are you going to hold a team to a nil-nil? How many times are you going to hold them to a clean sheet? We've only got seven clean sheets this season. We aren't that good defensively. And yet we still are setting games, setting up in games to try and not concede, which it doesn't make sense. At some point you have to adapt and react to the situation around you and and Ultimately, I think one of the, the things is you have to play your best players. Yakumete and Lucas Shaw have sat on the bench for an awful long time this season. And I think they're probably two of our best players, I would say. Um, and yet we've not seen anywhere near enough of them, I think. He, I mean, Jao's got a lot of appearances, but how many of them have come off the bench when you're asking him to come on and, and change a game with, you know, seven, eight, ten minutes left because Ince has made a substitution too late? So I think it's a case of him being, you know, he's been scared into not losing games and that ultimately is why he's, you know, ended up getting the sack. I think as well, kind of on top of that, you mentioned about the whole setup with Andy Carroll. Part of it comes from as well, and Christ, I feel like a broken record saying this because I don't know how many times we've now said it, but it goes back to the coaching of the team. There's that there, there's been nothing in this team that Ince has coached into them. I mean, we discussed it on um, on the um, uh, on the post Preston pod, but um, him coming out after the game and saying, "Oh well, if if I was in the team, I wouldn't be standing for this or I wouldn't be doing that." Well, it's like, well, you're you're the manager. Teach them how you think, how you would do things in that situation. That's your job. You know, you're not a bystander now. You're the person who is there now to tell these players how you want them to play in your philosophy, how you want them to react in certain situations. Yes, you've been there. You've done that. We appreciate that. But you now need to tell this and influence your players to do this. And across his entire time here, I can't really say one thing, really, that he's properly implemented onto these players, you know, and he's been here for over a year, you know, a year and two months or whatever it is now. It's... I think ultimately that's that's one of the biggest things that it comes down to. And, and it's been so clear for so long. Like I say, I've, I feel like a broken record talking about it. Everyone said it on Twitter, other podcasts. You know, it's it, everyone has said it because it's been so glaringly clear how undercoached these players are. There was There's no thought in midfield how the midfield links play. No thought of how or plan of how to make space in the midfield, find pockets of space how to move around a team, spread them, spread the play, how to go forwards, how to defend, you know, what to do on corners. You know, that there's just nothing. 
And ultimately, I think, to be honest, that's probably the biggest reason that that has led to led to his downfall. Um, sadly, he just can't coach. What's the point of having a manager or a coach who can't coach? It's highlighted by the, the, the goal that we scored against Watford a few months ago. Jeff Hendricks scores from a corner and Paul Lintz gets asked after the game, oh, is that something you've worked on in training? Oh, no, we, we haven't worked on that one at all in training. It's just something that Tom Ince and Jeff Hendrick have spotted during the game and they've just pulled it off. That, that, because that, they don't, that, that they don't the... practice set pieces in training. And I was like, well, what on earth are you practicing? It doesn't make sense. Um, yeah, That was it's... one of the worst ones he said, I think, because it was just like, well, set piece is the easiest thing probably to coach because it's a static situation. You can then use your creativity, your ingenuity to try and orchestrate, you know, moves, plays. It's like in the NFL, you know, I think Gareth Southgate has talked about it in his time as England manager, you know, looking how to use blockers and all of this, you know. But like like you say, that one was criminal. Paul, I think it's not like we're talking about a lot of stuff here, which is just on the field, right? Uh, and ultimately, Paul Ince has done a, not a fantastic job PR-wise for himself off the field. But again, to try and get some balance, off the field, he has done some good things as well behind the scenes at the club. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think not to mention them would be uh, remiss. I think he's really helped with the setup, with the scouting. Um, people can say, well, we'll have to wait and see how that works out. But he's setting up a foundation. He's not like, he's never claimed to have found thousands of good players. You know, we have to pick which one. But accepting that the uh, the club no, had no recruitment, which is absolutely ridiculous when you're in the championship. He's kind of probably played a huge part in the Mark Bowen coming to the club, having Brian Carey there, having Jared there. And long term hopefully we will see gain from that so i think he should get a lot of credit for that um but unfortunately as a manager um well not fortunately it's just a fact as a manager you have to accept this on the pitch that matters nowhere else because fans don't really care they want something that's happening now and you could maybe accept it if we had some occasional good displays or we look okay you're thinking i can see what we're trying to do there's a foundation here but at no point uh, have I really felt that. There's only been one game when I felt, okay, that's pretty properly exciting. That was the Blackburn game. But that's it. That's it in like 50 games or so. That's not enough, is it, Matt? You, you need a lot more than that. No. And, I mean, it's just been compounded by, you know, the last 20 games, really. Everything that was good at the start of the season. I mean, it looked like, you know, that there was a bit of bit of fight. They were out working and that. But, you know, like... you you've then got to get past that and you've got to actually just impose certain, certain styles of play. But yeah, you know, when I, when I look at kind of high points from, from Ince's career kind of games that I really remember um, where we've actually dominated or beaten opposition, that Blackburn game is on its own really. But when I look at it, Paul Ince has been asked about that match and he said, well, we pressed in that game and we haven't done that since. Now, there's a bit of my brain that instantly thinks why have we not done that? Yeah. I'm not well, saying well, we should well, do that every game, but you're like, it worked quite well in that. And also he referenced repeatedly the Stoke match. Oh, we tried to play too much football. So we hmm. give up after one game when we were absolutely abysmal as a team. The style was irrelevant. And Stoke, obviously, since that point, have proven to be, you know, in very, very good form. He just well, thinks he's he... just scared of like, I don't know what it was in his mentality. It's like one thing damages him. Or goes well, and he's like, I can't go back to that. 
it doesn't make sense to me how, how you'd not go try at least something that we've done in the Blackburn game. You know, the matches, not all of them, because it's not appropriate. But some no. of them, we should have done it. No. Well, and he's he's also referenced multiple times that, oh, you know, we can write off that Blackburn game as essentially a fluke, you know, and and not try and learn anything from it. It's like, well, try and learn something from how you actually played in that game. Look at the tape. Look at look at the way that players did. Show those players how they played in that game. Look at the decisions that they made. You know, when they decided to press, when they decided to sit off, where they decided to pass, how they shift the team about. Again, that's your job as a coach. And he just seemed incapable, really, of doing that. You know, learn learn from your good games. Yes, you know, learn from your bad games as well. But, you know, don't just disregard good performances and just call them flukes. Again, it's just, it's crazy, really. I, I, I can't get my head around some of those comments. I think it was a fluke. I think that's what it was, Alex, basically. Uh, yeah, it was, wasn't it? If you only manage it once, one in 50 games, like, it's not, it's not a pattern. It's not like a... Yeah, but you can at least try and learn something that you did in that game. You can at least still just try and look at it and see what was good. You know, yes, it it probably could have been a fluke, you know, because you've not prepared to play like that. It might have just been players that game, like just doing things off their own intuition. But look at it. Look at what players were doing, how they were thinking, and then try and implement it going forwards. You know, actually try and do something useful with that 90 minutes of tape that you've got. And again, and, all, yeah. all of this comes back, like Matt said earlier on, it all comes back to the fact there isn't enough coaching. There isn't enough coaching. Players haven't developed enough. Players haven't learned. Players haven't improved on the field. And and then off the field, off the field, of course, as well, Paul. I mean, I tried to give Paul Ince a bit of credit for like the off the field, behind the scenes at the club going well. But off the field, PR-wise, he's a disaster. It's as if he's never had media training. He's a pundit who is... Or, yeah, I mean, he is a pundit, isn't he? Now he's not a football manager. He's a pundit um, who doesn't appear to really ever think through what he's saying. Oftentimes, you'll hear him in an interview, and he'll like talk about one thing, and then in his next answer, he'll completely contradict himself and say completely the other thing. Um, and then we we obviously get on to the one of the major issues that people have had with Paul Ince this season has been when we've been losing games, he comes out in an interview and if we've won a game, all credit to him. We've done really well today. The lads have performed well. We've really worked hard as a unit to pick up these three points, blah, blah, blah. As soon as we lose the game, it's, oh, well, the players have lost concentration. Bad mistake by them. This bad mistake by the players. What am I meant to do? Decision-making is poor. And you wonder, like, it, when is it when is it us and when is it them it's and it, a lot of the time it was there was never any there was never any kind of like absolve for his for his problems and what the blame that he was going to take when reading were losing it was always the players and never never him which went down pretty awfully amongst the fan base didn't it paul uh dreadfully and i can understand that who wouldn't i mean if you're a manager you want the manager to stand up during the good and bad Obviously, you'd much rather have uh, a lot more good than bad. But the way he's interacted with multiple people on topics is just incredible. Um, The way he's been laughing and joking after the match, after we go into the relegation zone, saying pressure doesn't bother him. He's not bothered. That's not my decision. I mean, I get that. All managers say that. But it's how he says it. It's just incredible. His style is just 
it's just aloof, isn't it? And if you're winning, you can deal with that. And also, that's the parody here is if we were winning, we'd be okay. But if you're losing, it's just complete, it's just arrogance, isn't it? It really is. And the situation that we're in, you cannot have that. And I think it comes across to the players. They must feel distant to him in some way. I mean, who knows inside that dressing room going on? But they're having constantly citing other players and saying they're not good enough. They're not good enough. They can't do this. They're rubbish, basically. All the players who've got shit, he's essentially saying. Is that going to inspire you in any way? Not well, repeatedly, is it? Yeah, this is something Matt and I were talking about on the way back from Preston yesterday, of course. If, you, if you've got a manager as Paul Lins has been often digging out the players, decision-making has been bad. You've made a mistake here in public to, you know, in your interviews after the game. In private, you can't be doing that as a manager. Like you just can't be. That is surely is not the way that you would ever manage a person. You wouldn't sit there every day and sit there and say to Guinness Walker, you're shit. You can't defend. I'm not picking you. You're not starting. You don't, you wouldn't do it, would you? Because it wouldn't make sense. So in private, surely he must be saying to them, like, you guys are good enough to stay in the league, you know. And they've all backed him, the players generally, this season. We haven't really, like, maybe outside of Ovi Ajaria, there hasn't been a massive, like, you know, uh, un- unrest, seemingly, amongst members of the squad, uh, from what we can tell, at least. So seemingly the players must at least, like, respond to what he says internally, but what if if what he says internally and what he says externally are completely different, then how can you as a player try and like put that through your mind and say, yeah, what he's saying to me here is definitely matching up with what he's saying to me, like to the press and to the fans and then be motivated by it. How can you be motivated by someone who's like calling you out publicly every single week? Like, it's, it's, it doesn't make sense to me at all. It's, it's exactly that. And I mean, players will see what 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 he's saying, and like, surely not one. Well, surely there must have been one player that kind of looked to that, and like you say, if even if he is backing them personally in the dressing room, you know, if they then go and see on Twitter or whatever the comments that Inter then made in the press conference or hear about it somehow, you know, one of them on Monday morning must be thinking, like, come on, come on, boss, what, why, why, why are you now essentially saying that we're not good enough? you know, to play at this level, you, like, like, you know, I get that, you know, we might not have played well, but you're now saying that we're not good enough at this level. Do you not believe in us? You know, do you not think that we're going to be able to get out of this situation? Because by saying that they're not good enough, you know, you're saying that they, they're not going to get out of this situation. You know, there, there's no chance of survival. You know, that that's, that's essentially what, what he said, you know, but by, by saying that and, and ultimately goes, goes again to the whole point of why has he lasted so long? Because, it's not been a recent thing that he said about these players. They're not good enough. It's been going on for quite some time now. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. No. Well, Pauline's is gone now. This is good news. So let's move on now to Noel Hunt because... He is an absolute legend at Reading Football Club. There's no doubt on that. Championship winner, 11-12 under Mr. McDermott. What a man he is as well. But let's not get sidetracked. I think it's the one that we kind of, all three of us on this podcast wanted. What you all want as uh, people listening to this. I'm sure you've all got different thoughts on that. But I think he comes into this with, is it a free hit, Alex? Because it feels a little bit like it because... Our situation is so bad now. We're two points adrift. There's only five games left. This is really uh, a tough situation to come into. And he's got Burnley on Saturday. <laughs> it couldn't get much harder for him, could it? Yeah, I mean, it's a really difficult situation to come in for for any manager, especially a manager who's going to be taking charge for the very first time of a you know first team. Yeah, I, I mean, I think probably for the last six weeks or so, I was on the fence with Noel Hunt being the one to, to take over because we've left it too late to bring out, bring somebody external in. I think you can't, who are you going to bring in to come and manage you for five games unless you're going to give them a permanent deal, which ultimately there's not a lot of managers out there who are going to agree to come in. If you don't know what division you're going to be in next year, as we've seen with Leicester, they've, they've, really struggle to to find someone to come in and take permanent charge. Um, yeah, Noel Hunt's not got an easy start against Burnley, let's be honest. But I think the, I guess the galvanisation around, at least amongst the fan base, at the very least, it, it can only be a positive to try and keep them in the division at this point. Um, because if the atmosphere is even 1% better within the ground and it helps even slightly um, to get a result in any of these remaining games, that has to be a good thing. And Noel Hunt ultimately is going to be somebody who does drive that atmosphere to be better because people people are drawn to him because of the, his history with the club and the sentimentality behind it. Yeah, totally. And he's not Paul Lentz, which ultimately is a huge factor because he just becomes so toxic, hadn't he, Matt? But... He is currently the under-23 manager. Their form is not too bad this season. I don't know how much we take out of this, though, because obviously it's a totally different world, isn't it? It is, yeah. And I'm not going to pretend to sit here and say that I've watched every under-23 match and know what style he plays because, um, yeah, I've not got a clue, to be honest. Um, but, but yeah, like like say, it just got to a point of it being anyone but ints by this time. Um, you know, so we, we we just needed somebody else coming in and a different voice and with five games to go someone to galvanize fans get up get a good atmosphere in the club in the fan base because god forbid if Vince was in charge for Burnley and we got thumped two three nil you know it would have just been so toxic um 
but but yeah just i just hope that that um hunt will be able to just bring just some sort of fight attacking intent just some sort of plan i think that's really what most fans kind of just want to see between now and the end of the season show show us something that you've been working on on the training ground show us that you actually know what you're doing going forwards there's a bit of a plan going forwards there's organization at the back just show us something you know go down with a fight don't go down with a whimper which is what we've been doing under Ents. just show us something show us something to get behind and you know if you go down let's let's face it the odds are still stacked against us staying up you know it's not going to be an easy one to stay up everyone knows that so just show us something give us something to look look for and cling on to for next season yeah, it's going to be very difficult. It, this looks like a very temporary appointment. Mark Bowen in the statement from Reading FC said, the board will work diligently to identify the manager who is the best fit for this football club going forward. A candidate capable of driving it towards a healthier, brighter future. He then talks about the next five games under Noel. So it doesn't sound like a long-term one, Alex, but let's move on to that. Future managers. I mean, Wow pluck a name out or some kind of like ideology that you'd like to see from the manager going forward. If Noel Hunt, you know, doesn't magically win five games on the truck, which we'd all love to see. Obviously. Uh, so if we're not talking Noel Hunt, because I think even if we go down, if we go down fighting and actually I'm not against Noel Hunt being in charge really uh, next year, potentially, I think picking a, if we're, we're obviously talking about two different scenarios here. If we're in the championship, there's, there's one set of managers who are in, League One, it's different. So let's assume that Noel Hunt keeps us in the championship in this this first scenario. Um, I think some of the names you can be looking at, Neil Critchley, who was at QPR, Nathan Jones, which is, I know there's a lot of people out there who think that Nathan Jones is just not a particularly fun person to listen to. But ultimately, he did do really well with Luton multiple times and has got them promoted multiple times, done well in the past. I, I think that would be a reasonable a reasonable one to consider. Um, Liam Richardson, who got fired from Wigan earlier this season. And then after that, I mean, you're literally talking about people who might not have been in work for two, three years. Gary Monk, potentially, Lee Bowyer. Like, there's a lot of names out there and none of Mark them are Orbiton. really... Mark Warburton. Mark Again, someone who's not been in work for a long time. And it's... Why not Alan Kirbishley? Just throw yeah. it in there. Yeah. Alan's available. <laughs> But we're, I mean, we're talking about names which haven't been in work for a long time because ultimately I don't think anybody has any idea, right? And that's the that's the main thing. Um, if we're to go down, I think for me, I think really the obvious one is to go for either Noel Hunt or Graham Murty because we're going to be in a lower tier and most managers who you pick up in the lower tier to begin with, at least at the start of their coaching career, you are kind of shooting in the, in the dark a little bit because you don't know whether they're going to succeed or not. Um, Richardson at Wigan was a great example last year who obviously ended up winning the title with them. Um, so it's it really is dependent on what the rest of this season looks like. But for me, if, if, if Hunt does well, I, I have no real issues with him taking the job full time because he isn't going to be looking after transfers. He's not going to be looking after recruitment. He's coaching them. And he has had now, what, multiple years of being a coach. He was the assistant with Swindon. He was a coach at Doncaster. He's been the under-21s coach at Reading for the past, what, year now? 
Um, it's, I think there's, he's got experience, just not necessarily with people, you know, of a slightly older age group. That's it. Uh, it's going to be an interesting, interesting manager search though, I think. Would you, would you not take a Graham Murty if they're, if we stay up in the championship then? Would it only be kind of, if we're in league one, you take a Graham Murty or a Noel Hunt? For me, I think for me, if, if Noel Hunt keeps us up, I think the job is almost his personally. I, I can imagine a lot of people might disagree, but I, I think the job is kind of his to lose almost. What do you reckon, Paul? Yeah, probably. It probably is. I mean, we also don't know what Noel wants to do as well. Does he want to be the manager? It's a whole different layer of uh, pressure, isn't it? Maybe he'd absolutely love that. He might well. He might be like thinking, this is my opportunity. Um, yeah, I think if we go down, it is going to be someone like Noel Hunt or Graham Murty. Um, I can't see us being able to attract many managers because of our situation financially. We'd be out of an embargo, kind of. It would be really tough. But on the relegation front, what are we saying percentage-wise now? Because for me, really, after, let's forget like the manager and everything, the situation is really bad now. I'm going to say at least 70% chance that we're going to go down, Alex. Where are you? Probably similar. I think I would probably say, you know, two out of three times we'll go down in this situation. Um, obviously, we don't know how we're going to perform with, with Noel Hunt now in charge, which is the big unknown. Those two games at the end of the season, all of a sudden, you know, but they become massive, right? Wigan and Huddersfield. Under Paul Ince, I think most people would have written off the Huddersfield game straight away as a loss because it's an away game. And the Wigan game, maybe we win because we're at home, but maybe we don't because we're not playing very well. Whereas now with Noel Hunt, I have no idea how we're going to play. But those two games are, are really going to be the, the defining moment of Reading season. If you can go and pick up two wins, maybe even four points, and you pick up another win somewhere else out of the other four game, other three games, you might manage it. Um, so I think it's more likely we go down than not, but there's there's definitely more of a chance than there was at 9am this morning. Yeah, totally. Matt, quick percentage number before we move on to the questions. Um, yeah, no, I know we've discussed it before and I'm a little bit kind of more on the negative side on the percentage. Um, I, I, I still think it's probably about 85, 90% that we go down. But like Alex said, with, with Paul Ince, it was 0%. You know, and give me a ten percent, fifteen percent chance of staying up over zero percent every day of the week. You know, so I just, I just want to get behind Noel Hunt and just hopefully just see something from them, see that they give it all and just go down fighting. You know, just show us something. You know, give us something for next season if we do go down to back. Yeah, I'm sure all Reading fans are behind Noel Hunt. Um, yeah, we just want him to do everything he can and that's all we can ask isn't it because uh, he's been left in a really horrible scenario so some questions now that you sent him via twitter david rfc far just hope hunty brings a change of formation mixes his tactics and has different ideas throughout the games hopefully we don't continue lumping it up to carol and get the ball down to basics back to basics so we have enough quality in the side to get out of this starting saturday well saturday is a really tough one but we'll see how it goes. You just never know. We've got to hope that we change it up and just not anymore this lump ball. But another one here from Stuart is what we all wanted at the international break. Seems late, but hopefully we can have a team that tries to win some games and maybe keep us up. 
we 100% were relegated sticking with Ince. I mean, I think that's the issue, isn't it? Like you just said, Matt, if we were stuck with Ince, I think the, it would have just flatlined, wouldn't it? 100%. 100%. You know, like like it was, I've I've no qualms that if um, if Ince was here, you know, we, we, we'd be in League One next year if he was here. And that and that's the biggest thing. You know, you you had to make a change. You had to give us, even if it's 1% chance, 1% is better than nothing. You know, it, it's something for fans to cling on to now. And and I generally think fans will come, come in at the weekend and really back the team as well, which could make a difference, you know. And let's face it, you know, even though it's going to be a mammoth task, to be honest, there's a lot that, you know, Reading FC players and oh, Hunt can feed on for kind of motivation against this Burnley side. For starters, Blackpool were able to get a draw against them a few weeks back. For Reading as a club, you know, as as much as we joke about it, Burnley is still on for 106. Get a draw. They can now only equal that. You know, there's some motivation for you. Just preserve some of the history of Reading FC and our status, you know, as having the best team in footballing history or in EFL history anyway, you know, we like, like, like as much as we'll laugh about it, you know, that's, that, that, that's a massive part of Reading FC history, you know, put that up on the wall in the dressing room and, you know, fight for that, you know, and then as well as a, as a thing on the side of it, you'll be a point closer to safety. You know, there's, there's so much that, you know, Noel Hunt, cause Noel Hunt will get that. He'll get that and tell the players. So, uh, so yeah, let's, let's, let's just hope he can, he can bring some of that on Saturday. I had to laugh at as an aside, we're a point closer to safety. I feel like that will be the main one, but you know, fingers crossed that fingers crossed they've got some uh, motivation for Saturday at least now. Let's hope one. Here's another one from Georgia, and I think this sums it up. Already feels more positive. We have to go for this now. We can't rely on other teams. We have to go out and fight. No more negative football, no more long ball, a proper showing. No will bring the team spirit. The fans, I'm sure, will turn up. Let's hope the players do. I think summed up there perfectly, Georgia. Yeah, I think one of the things around us uh, fighting and seeing players fight and you know wanting it, it's a it's a difficult one to to really kind of see on the field, right? Because for for me, I don't think the players are not fighting, and it's not that they don't care. Like they do care and they are fighting you can see in their body language that they it's not a group of players who have just given up and and don't care i think it's a group of players who don't know what they're meant to have been doing for the past five months and have been asked to basically just go out there and and hope rather than anything else um as long as they give it their all for the last five games we're not going to be able to ask much more of them at this point i think unfortunately if we go down we go down but if they can, they go out there and leave everything on the field. That's that's what we're looking for, right? Yeah, no, no, totally. Another couple here, one here from uh, Paul Dawson. Too little, too late, but we'll be interested to see how Tom Ince performs now. I don't think we'll see Tom Ince play again for Reading. That is my uh, feeling, but we never know. We will see. Uh, another I, one here from, go on, Alex. I think we might, not necessarily... Um, not necessarily this weekend, but it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up playing at the end of the season still. I, I don't know why. It's just a feeling. I, I can see him coming back and playing a game or two at the end of the season because if you're Tom Ince and you now want to move, what better way to, to get your move than keeping a club in the championship? 
that would be lovely. I'd love to see that. Let's hope that happens. And yeah, let's hope he scores the winning goal at Huddersfield, keeps us off, takes his top off, gets sent off, but it doesn't matter because we're already 4 0 up. So that'd be lovely, wouldn't it? Would you like, I'd like to see that. <laughs> but here we are. Here's a different, slightly different one here from John Hyde. A big gamble, but a gamble worth taking. Int should have gone when we could have uh, got a decent replacement in. I hope I'm wrong, but I feel this could be a footnote in our inevitable relegation. I think if it was just for football and we really felt that this was going to be the tipping point for us staying up, I, I would understand that. But I think at the moment you've just got to remove the toxicity that is Paul Ince, Matt, because it's just got too much, as we've been through many times in this podcast already. So it is a gamble in some ways, but I think it's one we have to take because otherwise there was no chance. Of course. You know, like we've said it a few times already, but we're relegated with Ince. You know, like, yes, it's only five games to go. Yes, our chances of survival are, you know, pretty slim still. You know, you guys, 70%, you know, I'm 85, 90% certain we're going to go down. But, you know, we've given us a chance, you know, and that that's all that's all you need as a football fan, just a bit of hope, a bit of hope that, you know, the impossible might happen, you know, that we might be able to get out of this. There is light at the end of the tunnel. That's just what we needed. And with Ince, you just didn't have that because everything had just gone. You know, the belief in the players, belief in the team, belief in the club. You know, at least this just brings back a little bit. No, I totally agree. I think we're going to wrap it up there. Thanks a lot if you've listened to this one. It's kind of got good news and it's got really good news, hasn't it? Let's be honest. None of us wanted Paul Lintz. We'd had enough of him. Thanks for keeping us up last season and for some of the changes, but it's been absolutely horrific watching the team play for the last few months. I'm not going to miss him. But if you do appreciate uh, our efforts doing this podcast, give us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. And let's just let's just fucking hope we get a result against Burnley. It's against all the odds of footballing world, isn't it? None of us really believe it completely, but we all live in hope. And if we do, I am 100% either way on the no-hunt Barmy Army. So cheers. <laughs>